Hello and welcome into the NFL Draft Discussion slash Rundown Impact 89FM special. My name's Alex McRae. I'm joined here today by Aiden Hunt, Charlotte Steinberg, and Darren Alexander. How's everybody doing today? Good. So far, good. Even though I'm in New York with COVID going all over the place, but pretty good. That's great. I'm sad. I'm really sad. And I'm going to be sad the rest of this episode, and we'll get to that. Darren, how about you? I'm doing pretty good. I actually got – I decided I put on my old my five-year-old Kellen Johnson Lions jersey just because that they didn't do anything I would say was egregiously stupid last night. So I'll just take that as a plus just in itself. So that's fine. All right. <laughs> that's, that's fair. So how did everybody handle the little sliver of sports we got last night? I mean, it's been – almost two months now without anything. So it had to have been a little bit refreshing, right? Yeah, well, we also had the WNBA draft with Sabrina Nescu going number one in the New York Liberty. So I would say you had a little bit of sports, obviously not as many viewers as the NFL draft, but it was really nice to have a refreshing start with the NFL, especially with the season on pause. Yeah, no, I thought it was great. I mean, with the WNBA draft, the Jordan, you know, the last dance, the Jordan documentary that started, that came out on Sunday. And then with this, it's been a nice been a nice little week to get at least a few different things that are like live and new and able to digest so yeah no it was it was nice to be able to kind of feel a little bit uh normal again for a day it, it was good to get some sports back it was weird though because i'm a bears fan and the bears didn't have a first round pick so i still haven't gotten like my fix at least for for sports but I, I did need to see joe burrow's name go number one i think just that alone was enough for me to be like, all right sports are back yeah, we're gonna get through this somehow. Yeah, so let's just jump right into it here. Uh, who do you guys have as your winners and losers of the draft thus far? We'll start with the losers. Uh, Charlotte, let's start with you. Okay, losers. I think I don't know. It's a really big red flag so far, but I think the Packers are a loser. They now have Aaron Rodgers, who's thirty-six years old, and now they have drafted uh, Jordan Love and interesting thing that I found yesterday was that they drafted when Brett Favre was the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers they drafted Aaron Rodgers when Favre was 35 so they're really in that range of trying to plan for the future I would think the Packers are a big loser of this NFL draft okay okay Aiden what about you a big winner I, I gotta say we'll start, with, we'll start with the losers we'll start negative and positive start with the losers um gosh where do I start Honestly, I didn't have a ton of losers in the first round. I think everybody kind of made at least a somewhat reasonable pick. I wasn't blown away by any of them, but I was like, that makes no sense. Um, well, maybe one, but we'll get to that later. Um, I think the, the biggest loser, I might have to say the Bears. I'm just mad at them all the time. And the fact that they – yes, this was one of the, the fallouts of the Mack trade is that they had to give their pick to the, to the Raiders. I think – if I had to pick one loser, it might be CeeDee Lamb just for falling as far as he did. But at yeah. the same time, he's going to the Cowboys. Dak's going to pass him the ball a lot because all he has is just him and Amari Cooper. He was supposed to go – I mean, I think he was supposed to be the first wide receiver drafted. He was taken after Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy. But he might be the only loser, and he's really not losing that much. Yeah. Darren? Well, I mean, I'll agree with Charlotte about the bet to me because that was, to me, the most – just shocking and inexplicable pick I could have seen was 
the Packers taking love. And I think the one thing for me on that pick is that you could definitely argue, at, well, I think definitely that the, the, the Saints and the Patriots, who I believe picked before the Packers or could have picked before the Packers each, they were in a position where obviously with the Patriots losing Tom Brady and the Saints, you know, you're, you don't know exactly how long Drew Brees might play for, you know, if it's one year or two years, depending on what happens. They each were in a position where they could have, it would have made a lot of sense for them to take the quarterback, and they both passed on love. So I think that says a lot in terms of how other teams around the league view him. I will say I kind of – maybe not, maybe more of a half loser, but I kind of thought the Raiders – I don't mind them taking rugs with their as, – as taking Henry Ruggs instead of necessarily Lamb or Judy, even though he – you know, you could argue he's the third best, but he is incredibly fast. I don't quite get them taking that other corner from Ohio State who – did not – I don't think anybody had a first-round grade on. So, for them, that's – Damon Arnett. Yeah. Yeah. So for, that so, was a big surprise. I did not see that coming at all because he had a third-round grade on him, which yeah. is really weird. So, um, for for me, I had I had uh, five teams. I didn't really like their drafts too much. Uh, the first one, the Eagles. I didn't like uh, the Jalen Rager pick. Uh, the Falcons with, uh, with um, A.J. Terrell. The Packers with – uh, trading up for Jordan Love. Uh, the, the Raiders, I didn't really like their draft. And then uh, mainly just because I, I wanted to throw this back at Aiden, I, I didn't really like uh, what the Bears did, not being able to have a pick. Um, transitioning into what I think the worst pick of the first round was, for me personally, I think it was Jalen Rager to the Eagles from, uh, from TCU, especially with Justin Jefferson sitting there on the board at 21, and they pass him up. I didn't really get that at all. I, it was it was my worst pick in uh, in the first round, so far by uh, by far. I'm surprised you, you said AJ Terrell. I kind of like that pick for the Falcons. I mean, um, would you have rather seen them take a D lineman? So I I just don't necessarily disagree with the position. I'm just not a big fan of the player. Um, AJ Terrell. Yeah left a terrible taste in everybody's mouth, getting absolutely torched by every and any LSU wide receiver that he covered in the national championship game. But I just think traditionally um, he hasn't necessarily shown me a whole lot on film. He's a solid tackler in the box. Like he can pop somebody and force a fumble every once in a while. But I, I just, I think he's a really low ceiling guy. I don't think he's, you know, a worthy of a, uh, Top 20 I mean, Justin, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase were just torching everybody in that game and in the whole season. He can't really complain too much about the guy. <laughs> I know, but but look at, at the time, uh, can you justify taking him above Justin Jefferson, the guy that torched him consistently when they played one-on-one? -on -one? I don't really think that's justifiable in my opinion. So I think – I mean, the – it's just fine for the Falcons. They don't need another wide receiver. They need no, I'm, not, I'm not saying you need to draft uh, Justin Jefferson to Atlanta. I just think that there were better corners on the board at the time. So, does anybody else have that, that standout worst pick? I know you guys talked about Jordan Love, but just uh, anything, anything else in particular there? I think with the Giants taking Andrew Thomas at four, it really stands out as a sore, a sore thumb because you have all the choices at the tackle. You have Tristan Wirfs, you have of Iowa, you have the 
Alabama tackle. And then you take Andrew Thomas, who was not really high on anyone's board, not even in the top 15. And I heard Daniel Jeremiah and even uh, Booger McFarland talking yesterday that like they had so many options. He's a great, he has long arms and great in the run game, but there, he doesn't have elite ability. That's what Daniel Jeremiah said. But um, if the Dolphins traded up with the, the Giants, they were going to take um, Thomas. So that's probably why they took him. But I think the Giants could have taken a better tackler for Daniel Jones. So in my opinion with Thomas, I, I personally thought it was a solid pick. Um, he was probably my second tackle, second or third tackle. Him and Jedrick Wills were vying for that second and third spot. Personally, uh, the, the top end tackle, uh, the, the guy who I had on top of my board that went last actually was Tristan Werps. Uh, I thought he was a, a, a surefire, uh, surefire tackle pick, and I thought he might go there at four. But uh, that's what I, I thought was taken. Yeah, Thomas was a guy who was in a very run-heavy scheme at Georgia, so he didn't necessarily pass block as much as some of these other guys. But I think he definitely has the tools to fit into the Giants' scheme, especially with Saquon Barkley being there. So they do need a guy who is an elite run blocker and can transition to a better pass blocker eventually. I think everyone was a little taken aback with Andrew Thomas because no one really saw it coming. Like, a, pe- a couple people saw it coming, but they thought that, worse, as you were saying, I totally agree with you that he was going to be much higher. But I thought it was very surprising with Thomas just, like, coming out of nowhere, kind of, and getting up at four. Yeah. Darren, do you have a, a pick outside maybe Jordan Love that stood out to you? Um, I mean, a lot, a lot of the picks have been mentioned. I will say in terms of – not necessarily a pick, but in terms of, like, going back to the losers. Like, it's not that I don't like Akuda, but I will point out the lines just because of the fact that I, at least in my opinion, I think it would have been the best option for them to be able to find a way to trade back. Yes. Maybe, you know, everyone was thinking Miami or possibly the Chargers trying to move up for a QB. And then when it was revealed that they never received an offer, like, they never actually really got an offer for their for the number three pick. I don't, I don't know if it's because Quinn just made it too predictable that they weren't possibly going to take Tua, or I don't know. But I feel like I like Akuda. I do like Akuda, and he looks like he's going to be a good player. He looks like he could be a good player for a long time at the very least. But not being able to get a little some more value out of the draft, I think not a huge loser, but uh, maybe just ends up for the Lions making having a, a little bit of a mild disappointment. At least in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the ideal situation for the Lions. In in my mind, yeah, a trade back would have been perfect. But like I said on, on Twitter last night, it takes two to tango, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can't sure, just yeah. trade back with a metaphorical trade partner and say, okay, well, well, we'll just trade back. We'll pick up another second-round pick, and then we'll take Jeff Okuda. Everybody knew that was going to happen. No team outside of Cincinnati in the top five, outside of, you know, Miami at five, really had a threat of taking Tua and – Cincinnati was sold on Burrow, so there was no real incentive for anybody to trade up. I mean, if the Chargers were set on Justin Herbert and they were happy with him, there's no reason to to make a trade. Uh, I heard rumors and rumblings that uh, Jacksonville might try to trade up for Jeff Okuda uh, with the ninth and 20th pick, and that might have been an offer the Lions should have listened to, but at the same time, Okuda's uh, a surefire can't miss cornerback prospect, or at least as close to one of that we've seen in quite a while. So, okay, I do you think that Henderson is better than Okuda? 
No, I don't think so. I think they have relatively different styles. Um, I think Okuda is – he's a man corner. They're both man corners, but Okuda is a little bit more physical. You'll pop guys in the box a little bit. Uh, Henderson's more that pure cover guy. I don't see him making a ton of contact with people in the box especially. So he's he, he could grow into a potential shutdown corner. You're, you're Jalen Ramsey, you're Darius Slay. That's his upside, I think. But I, I think that uh, – Jeff Okuda has. I think the Jaguars had to fill that hole. More to that. What was that? No, I think that the Jaguars definitely, with letting go of trading away Jalen Ramsey, had to fill it with the cornerback role, and they needed to CJ Henderson, especially with him being in state. I'm sure they were able to watch him a lot. Yeah. And get, do their homework. Yeah, they they lost Ramsey and they traded Bouye uh, this off season, so they they don't have any corners really, uh, standout guys at least that. Uh, will fill those roles. So they'll probably look to draft another corner later, maybe in day two even. So that's something we can look out for. Um, well, we'll transition here into the winners, actually. So, Aiden, uh, anybody that you that stood out to you as a, uh, as a surefire, like, yeah, this, this, is, this is a perfect fit? I think it's kind of hard to look at a team with three first-round picks and not call them winners because they had three first-round picks. I think the Miami Dolphins drafted very well. You know, taking to a tug of Iowa, Austin Jackson, and Noah Igben. Ah, can't even say it. Igbenogany. There you go. You got it. I, I had it. I just, like, was talking so fast. But um, and people were saying, like, the Igbenogany pick didn't really make sense because they do have, like, two of the highest paid corners in the league. Yeah. But this that, that's a perfect situation for a young guy like him to go into the system to learn from really, really well. And were you going to complain about having too many stud corners? No, you're not going to complain about that. So I think they, they drafted well. Austin Jackson could be a bit of a project. I know a lot of people do have some, some concerns about him. Um, Bone marrow to his sister, so that could be a problem. Yeah, but I think he's, he's someone who, you know, he, he did stand out for USC on that line. He could, do you foresee him playing right tackle, Alex, or do you think – uh, you know, to protect Tua, like, what, what are they going to do with Yeah, I think, I think he, just based on how bad the Miami offensive line was last year, he might have to play left. But I think the ideal situation for him is probably a right tackle long term. And touching on Igbenogany here, because I had Miami as one of my winners as well, the Miami defense is predicated on the New England scheme, right? Because their head coach, Brian Flores, was a New England guy. And they put a lot of value on that nickel corner slot. Uh, you see what the Lions did last offseason. They paid Justin Coleman a ton of money. So it, it makes sense to have such an elite athlete like Igbenogany, as they said on the draft coverage. Both of his parents were Olympians. This guy is incredibly fast. He's an incredible athlete. Having him at the corner, at the slot uh, nickel corner position, covering the other team's fastest player, I think is really a perfect fit for, for uh, Miami. I just think the value at 30 is a little bit off. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the value there, but based on the scheme that they, they run, it makes sense. Darren, you got any winners? I guess I'll go next. Um, I think one of the winners I... – Charlie, if you – sorry, if you want to go, Charlie. No, no, okay. no, go, Darren. You're good. All, All right. good. Thank you. Um, yeah, I've got a few. I, Miami, I, I think Miami, obviously, mainly because 
I mean, they got their man in Tua, who, I mean, it was the prediction for all year, but sometimes the obvious pick is the right one, so Miami's up there. I like the Chargers. They got their own guy in Herbert, who has the tool to develop into a good QB, and they trade up to get Kenneth Murray, who can project, who could possibly be a big-time playmaker at the linebacker position for them. Another team that I liked a lot was um, Minnesota because, I mean, you look at their two holes. Obviously, you trade away Stephon Diggs because of just the relationship there just got too sour between him and the team. And you lose, whether it's by releasing or for free agency, you lose your top three corners in Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes, and Mackenzie Alexander. And they fill both those spots that you get Justin Jefferson, who was one of the top, you know, who was one of those two standout wide receivers you know from LSU this past year and then you also get um Jeff Gladney who can help who can obviously they'll need some more position but who at the very least can help fill the void but from all those um from losing all those corners from this past season so I like Minnesota um I also liked in terms of just one pick I think was like perfect for what the team needed I think Tampa Bay taking Tristan Wurfs was exactly what they needed because again like if you're going all in this year with a, you know, with a 42 going on 43 year old Tom Brady, you know, you just got Gronk out of retirement you know, you, you have a standout pair of wide receivers and tight ends. Now, I mean, you got to put everything around him to be able to succeed. And that includes a big offensive line. And he was a guy who, you know, I mean, Alex, you talked about who was looked at as being potentially the best offensive line prospect. And the fact that they were able to get him at 13, probably it gives them a lot of value for that spot. I, I agree with everything you said there. Charlotte, you got anything uh, Anything more? Yeah, I actually had the Bucks, but another pick I had was for the Broncos because getting Jerry Judy for Drew Locke is a great pick because now he has an elite tar- target that he can throw to. So he has a lot of firepower, and I think the Broncos got a steal at 15. Yeah. I think the one pick I saw that surprised me, I did – I. Honestly, it was one of the people who thought for sure if Jordan Love was on the board at uh, at 24, that uh, the the Saints were going to take him. I thought he was going to be future. I thought that they would take him to replace Jabris, and they didn't. And they took Cesar Ruiz instead. And I was like, honestly, you that's such a good pick still. Like anybody who is going to get Cesar Ruiz is going to get a stud at center. And so I like the pick. Didn't make a ton of sense to me because I thought they were going to take a quarterback, but. I mean, he was kind of a no-brainer. Wherever he's going to go, it's going to be a good pick for whatever team gets him. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that for sure. I think Cesar Ruiz is a, is a great fit. I think he'll walk right in. He could walk right into any NFL offensive uh, line unit and be a starter right away, either it be at center or guard. Um, there are a couple of other teams I wanted to touch on here really quick. Uh, Cincinnati. Uh, obviously, they got Joe Burrow. I think he's the most surefire NFL prospect at quarterback in a long time. Uh, he's he's got all the tools. He's got the intangibles. He's got all that. Um, I think Arizona picking up Isaiah Simmons was a great pick, just because now they have a lot of really good top end talent on that defense. Their depth struggles a little bit, but I think. They have that that talent that can really show out and maybe cover up some some weaker positions. Um, and then lastly, uh, Kansas City with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's the perfect Kansas City running back. The perfect Kansas City running back. And I think think about how good Kareem Hunt was in that system. I think Edwards-Hilaire might be a better receiver 
maybe not the as good of a runner, but a much better receiver for that offense and Patrick Mahomes and now has his best friend in Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So that's that's my best pick of the draft so far. Um I think now we can transition into into grades. Um we'll just do a round robin like little uh give your grade for the pick and a little brief description of it and then we'll move on to the next pick uh after we all get through each individual pick. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'll start here. I'll start at one with Joe Burrow. That's an A plus for me. I just, like I said before, surefire can't miss prospect. Easy, easy pick. Go ahead, Aiden. I'll take number two. Yeah, sure. We'll, we'll go with that. Or do, or, do, or, do, or do I take, or do I do number one? This is, what is the system? <laughs> so I, I was thinking we could all just go through and like give our grades for the individual picks. Like, Great. like, for Joe Burrow, we could all go through. For uh, Chase Young, we could go all go through and got it. No, round I'll, Robin I'll, that. Sense. I'll do. Got it. Joe Burrow, A plus. That was the easiest pick that any team has made in years. Yeah. Charlie. Yeah, Burrow. Burrow, easy A for me. Like, yeah. I mean, I was wondering. I was wondering why Cincinnati just didn't have the pick rate. You know, they were taking a few minutes. I was wondering why they just didn't have the pick rate to go in just immediately. Just like I'm like, come on, we all know what you're doing. Get on with it. But it was obvious. But yeah, it's it's a perfect fit for them. He can, you know, he looks like he could be the guy for them for the next decade at the very least. So yeah, he's easy A for Cincinnati. Definitely great pick. Same grade as you guys. A plus 2014, Mr. Football. Heisman winner, definitely a starting quarterback for the NFL. Yeah. And then number two, Chase Young, another A-plus for me. Uh, Just another one of those surefire can't-miss prospects. Uh, Easy pick again. I'm of the camp that Chase Young was the best player in this draft. A-plus. Absolutely A-plus. I mean, there's been talk about how he could at the very least be as good, if not better than either of the Bosa brothers, so for me, it's like, I mean, there's there's no other way Washington could have gone with this A-plus. I also give an A-plus. I think he's a lot like Jadavion Clowney in today's game, and he definitely can get to uh, the AFC teams such as Dak or Daniel Jones, so I think it's a great pick. Uh, and then at three, Jeff Okuda, I gave it an A, uh, just because the ideal situation that would have made it an A-plus is if they were able to trade down. But they still got their guy. They still got the best uh, quarterback prospect in the draft. So it's a solid A for me. Lions fans should be very happy that the Lions didn't mess this up because they very well could have because they're the Lions. I'll give it an A because Jeff Okuda is a stud. I, will, I know I said earlier about trading down, but, I mean, Thinking about, I mean, I can't. Yeah, I will say that again. I got my jersey on because it, they did overall. They made the right pick. I'll give it an A because Akuda looks like a guy who you can just you know plug in and play there for you know the next decade at the very least, like all top picks should be. But yeah, I, I mean, it was the right pick, obvious uh, pick, but yeah, definitely. Oh, I also give it an A. Right. I think the number one cornerback in the 2017 class and playing for Ohio State, such a high program in college football. So I think he can replace Darius Slay on the for the Lions and I think it's also a great pick again. Yes. Uh now to four. Uh Andrew Thomas. I gave it a B. I thought he I think he's a solid player. I think it's a solid pick. Uh not the best tackle in my opinion uh in the in the class, but not a guy that is necessarily the uh a, a bad fit. I think he's a good fit. I think it's a solid pick. Dave Gettleman gets a B for me. I rarely see Georgia players 
not do well in the NFL, especially if they're going to play on the line, offensive line or defensive line. I thought Andrew Thomas was a fine pick. I'll give it a B plus. I'll give it a B. I think, I mean, you have Saquon Barkley there and you have Daniel Jones, so you know you need to beef up the offensive line, both protect Daniel Jones and to make sure that Saquon Barkley's got have lane. So it's not a bad pick. I, you know, you could definitely argue, you know, as we talked about, about whether he was the best tackle or whether it was worst or – or Jedrick Willis or anyone else, but for what they needed and for how they're trying to build that team. And as Dave Gelman, they talked about he loves he loves those hogs on the line. So yeah, I'll give it I'll give it a B for them. I'm gonna give it a B minus because I think there was different tackles that you could have taken with Jedrick Willis or Tristan Wirfs. And I think maybe under Joe Judge, the new head coach, he could be developed into a great starter. I think he will be playing a lot next year, but I think they should have gone in a different direction for a tackle. Uh, at five uh, with Miami picking Tua, I'm going to give it an A minus just because I'm not as sold on Tua being a surefire prospect as a lot of other people are. I think the health concerns could rear their heads again. He hasn't gone through a, a full season as a starter without getting some kind of injury. So I'm giving an A minus. I think it's a solid pick. I think he's a solid prospect uh, at five, maybe a little bit too high for my personal grade, but I think it's a, still a solid fit for Miami. I agree with Alex. I think for the Dolphins, it's a B because I'm not totally sold on Tua being a prospect. There are some things that concern me. The fact that he does have injury history and the fact that he has left-handed does raise some eyebrows for me, as dumb as that might sound to some people. Um, I think there's only one team, though, that Tua can succeed in, and I think it is the Dolphins. So I think it's best-case scenario for him, but I'm going to give it a B. I'll give it the same as Alex. I'll give it an A minus because I do think, like I do think, like Ian said, like it was. I feel like that is it's a perfect match of player and team because of what of being able to have the ability to give him a year to heal from his injuries and to get right um, for when he is ready to take the reins. And the injuries are what they are. I feel like though that he has the kind of promise that he can be. A, a, you know, if he is able to be healthy, he can be very dynamic as a quarterback. So. Uh, it, it can be a, it might be a bit, bit of a, a bit of a boomer bust pick, but I think that overall, I don't blame Miami at all for, for going, you know, for rolling a dice on it. I'll give, I'll give it an A minus. I'm going to give Tua and the Dolphins a B plus because first of all, the Dolphins have had 21 starting quarterbacks since the 2000 season, which is a 149 and 171 record, which is a 46% winning percentage. And I think Tua, if he wasn't injured this season, he would go much higher in the draft. But I think it's a he's probably going to not play as healthy as he should in 2020, but he'll be extremely healthy in 2021. So he's definitely going to be their franchise quarterback for the future. But I think it's not like an A- minus because he's not playing. He cannot play right now. I think he's not fully healthy. So I think I'll give it a B+. Plus. Okay. Uh, at six, uh, with the Chargers picking Justin Herbert, I'm going to give this pick a B. I'm not nearly as sold on Justin Herbert as a surefire can't-miss prospect. To me, he kind of reminds me a lot of the Brady Quinns, the Jake Lockers, that kind of quarterback where he could be a, a, a solid quarterback, but he's also a guy who I could have seen falling quite a bit in the draft. So I'm going to give it a B. Chargers are in a win-now mindset. He's going to have every opportunity to succeed. He has a great cast around him. So I think he's probably put in the best situation possible, but I'm just not sold on him as a surefire prospect. 
Once again, I'm with McRae. B minus. If you need to know any reservations or why you should have any reservations about Justin Herbert, watch the 2019 Red Box Bowl. Exactly. That's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll agree, I'll agree with you guys too. And I did watch that game. And that it was ugly. It was an ugly, ugly, ugly game all around. But yeah, I'll give it. I'll give it a B, just because. I mean, he is going to be in a situation where LA, you know, they have. Tyrod Taylor, who theoretically can be a great quarterback, although he did not last very long in that role when he was doing that with Cleveland for Baker Mayfield for a few years. So I would not be surprised at all to see Herbert take the reins early for them. I mean, he's the guy. I mean, in terms of in terms of the measurables, six six, two thirty plus, like you're looking at a guy who has the that kind of size and physical profile you want from a quarterback. But he wasn't perfect when he was at Oregon, so. I think, you know, the Chargers are a kind of team that, like, I think could, use, could develop him right, but he, I don't think he does – he isn't near of a sure thing as either Joe Burrow is, obviously, and I think Tua is – Tua is fully healthy. So, yeah, I give that. I agree with all of you guys, actually. Um, I think his biggest problem is getting the ball out quick out of the pocket, and that could be a problem at the next level. But um, he has a big arm. He has ability to push the ball down the field, but – I think he has the same, almost about the same ceiling as Tua. But the Chargers needed a quarterback with Tyrod Taylor there. So he's definitely going to compete for the starting job. But I totally agree with you guys that he has, does have some concerns. So uh, moving on to seven here, Derek Brown of the Panthers. I really am not a huge fan of this pick. I gave it a C-. minus. I think he's just strictly a nose tackle, a run-stuffing guy, a solid prospect and a solid guy that's going to last on your team quite a long time if he stays healthy. But I just don't think the value for what he projects to be is really there at seven. I would have liked to see them trade down a little bit if they were so were, were so sold on Derek Brown, maybe trading down with somebody else to move up to get Isaiah Simmons or something like that. So I give it a C minus. Like I said, solid defensive tackle, solid nose tackle prospect. I'm just not sold on the value there at seven. Yeah, I'm going to give it a C plus. I think Derek Brown's a great player, but I don't know what the heck the Panthers were doing not taking Isaiah Simmons. That made I know they had to replace two defensive linemen, but – with the departure of Luke Keekley, there was no reason for them not to draft Isaiah Simmons, who is arguably the best and definitely the most, like, uh, you know, what's, uh, versatile. What's the, versatile. That's right. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it. By far the most versatile defensive player, probably the most versatile player, period, in this draft. So C plus to the, to the Panthers for kind of wasting that pick. But also, Derek Brown's a good player. I'll give it a B minus just because I mean he he is he does look really good and they did have a the Panthers did have a couple of holes in their defensive line and traditionally they're a team that's able, I mean you look at guys like Julius Peppers and some of the other D linemen they have they usually do pretty well with D linemen in how, when whenever they draft them but I think that yeah Luke Keekley retiring I mean you do have you they did go out and sign I mean him and Cam Newton obviously those were the biggest two departures for them this offseason. You find a guy to potentially take Cam's place in Teddy Bridgewater, but they still have a huge hole in the middle of that defense. And, I mean, it's not a guarantee that Isaiah Simmons will be as good as Luke Keekley, but it would have done, I think, a lot more potentially, yeah, to draft him and to fill what is probably a bit just overall a bigger hole, both in terms of the defense, role of the defense, and in terms of the player who left it compared to the D-line. So, yeah, I'll give, I'll give it a little bit better, B-minus, but – yeah, I think Simmons would probably fit a little bit more for them at that point. 
Um, I'm going to give it a B minus. Aiden, I don't definitely sorry. I'm definitely agree with you that they should have taken Isaiah Simmons. He's great linebacker, but I think Derek Brown kind of undervaluating him because he was the SEC Player of the Year. So, and that's a tough conference to play in, obviously. But I think they will they will get some production from him and get some more pressure in the South. But I think they could have taken Isaiah Simmons because he's a marked as like the do it all linebacker. So I think definitely taking Isaiah Simmons could hurt them in the end result. Yeah, speaking of Isaiah Simmons, he went next year at eight to Arizona. I love the fit. I think it's a great talent that you couldn't pass up if you're Arizona. You had some offensive tackle needs there. I'm still going to stick with an A-plus grade. I think Isaiah Simmons is a, is a can't-miss, surefire prospect on the defensive side of the football and is, is going to be a real playmaker for this defense going forward. I think he can be a top-20 player in the NFL next year if he is put in the right scheme and put in the right positions. Let let him continue to do his hybrid linebacker safety role, cover the opponent's best player. I, I think there's a great pick for Arizona. I agree. A plus for the Cardinals. My, I'm really pulling for the Cardinals to win the Super Bowl this year. I think they have the the team necessary and just the, the – I mean, Alex said they really need to beef up that offensive line because they have some issues there. But Isaiah Simmons is, I think, one of the, the top players in this draft. And, Going anywhere he's going to fit, the Cardinals are going to be a great fit for him. Expect people to talk about Micah Parsons the same way people are talking about Isaiah Simmons this year, next year. Yeah, no, I'll definitely give it an A because Simmons, I mean, he played, you know, you could put him, you know, like Alex said, you put him anywhere, safety, linebacker, probably any of the three linebacker spots in the field. So you're talking about, I think I remember, I think he was a quote that said, like, if you put me on your on your 53-man, was it 52 or 53-man squad, you're going to end up having, like, 56 because of the fact that he can't fill so many roles. And, you know, I, I agree with that, too. Like, Arizona, now that, you know, with trading for Hopkins and getting Simmons, they look like a team that's going to be uh, – it could be a dark horse next year to maybe contend for a playoff spot. But, I mean, he brings a lot of versatility to that defense, and they still have other guys that can pair with them, guys like Chandler, Chandler Jones and – uh, Patrick Pearson so you know definitely I think he's he's an, he's an all-world looks like an all-world type of player and for a team like Arizona he just again he just can add to that uh that excel I'll say that accelerated rebuilding effort they got on there so yeah definitely pick. I think the Cardinals should be happy that he fell to their lap I'm going to give it an A but he when he I what really stood up about him when when he was in interviews he'd say what they'd ask him what position and he'd say I play all I play defense that's all but I think he's a great fit for Arizona. And Aiden, I totally agree with you. He's, I think the Cardinals could be a contender for the Super Bowl if they put the offensive line in on track. But he can be used in so many different ways. He's kind of like he could be a spy on Russell Wilson. He can do all different things. I think it's a great pick. So I'm going to give it an A. Yeah. Uh, moving on to number nine here, Jacksonville picks C.J. Henderson from Florida, the cornerback. I gave this pick a B+. Plus. I think C.J. Henderson's a pretty solid cornerback uh, prospect. I just think nine might be a little bit too high here for the value. I don't love the value. So just for that reason alone, I have to give it a B plus. I'm going to give it an A. I think – bless you. I think, that, <laughs> I think that what the Jaguars needed more than anything was just a, a corner to replace Jalen Ramsey. C.J. Henderson was the best corner left on the board at this point because Jeff Good was already taken. He's long. He's six foot one. CJ Henderson, he's fast. 
I think he'll fit in well in Jacksonville, so I'm going to give it an A. I think I'll give it a B plus two. Um, I mean, yeah, play right in. He, I mean, he fills an obvious hole with trade with having with both trading Jalen Ramsey and Boye from last year's team. So you you, you need you need guys to replace those spots, and definitely the second best corner in the draft next to Okuda, and for you know for getting what they needed, you know I thought it was pretty pretty a pretty you know an easy decision. Maybe a bit high, but overall, like that, I don't see how Jacksonville could have gone. You know, could have gone maybe two other directions for me there. So yeah, good, good pick. He plus. I think the Jaguars could have traded down and still get the same player that they fell in love with. But I, I agree with Alex. I think it's a B plus. But if you if you need a cornerback, you're going to draft the best one available. So it makes total sense for the Jaguars, especially with no not much talent in the backfield. So in the back in the cornerback. Of room, so I think that they definitely needed this pick. So give it a B plus. Think they could have traded down. Uh, then moving on to ten here, Jedrick Wills goes to the Cleveland Browns. I gave this pick a B plus. I think strictly just because Tristan Wirfs was still on the board, and I, like I said earlier, was in love with Tristan Wirfs as a prospect. So I guess from every uh, tackle prospect that is drafted before Tristan Wirfs, I just drop it a letter grade and then call it good. So. Wills is going to walk right in, probably be the starting right or left tackle, depending on what uh, he and Conklin do there in Cleveland. So a very solid pick, fits right in, going to be a starter day one, solid pick. Giving it an A-plus, Jedrick Wills was – I disagree with McCray. I think he was probably the best offensive lineman in this draft. Um, The Browns will win at most five games next year. (laughs) That's it. Wow. Okay. Um, I'll give it a B. A lot of the pre-draft talk was about how he probably fit more at right tackle as compared to left tackle. So, and obviously, you look at Conklin; he's been a career right tackle ever since he's been drafted. So, it's a question of you know how good the fit may um, end up being in Cleveland if they do have him play on the left side or or, or Conklin, obviously, but they may have may have two guys who play the same position um, as the best, but. They did need to fill that hole in the offensive line. Left tackle, that was the most um, glaring need for them. I'm surprised that they still possibly didn't try to end up, you know, trading for uh, Trent Williams. I thought this pick could have been a potential um, a potential uh, first starting point for that because of just how it seems like he's determined to get his way out of Washington even after the regime change. But they did need to get a tackle, and they, they got what probably should be a good one in Willis. Just for a question for me if he's – could be better either on the right side compared to the left side. So I'll give it a solid B grade. I'm going to give him a B plus because I think he's obviously like what you guys, I've been agreeing with all you guys are saying, but I think he is a day one starter for the Browns, but I think they need to protect Baker so he can have a little more time to throw. But I think at this pick, I was thinking they were going to take Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa, but I think it's a great pick, but I don't know if the Browns are going to be so successful next year. Uh, then moving on to the other tackle taken in the top 12 here, Makai Becton goes to the Jets at 11. Uh, I gave this a C plus. I, I just not a huge fan of Becton over these other guys. I think he's probably the fourth best tackle prospect in this draft class. And I think he's more of a run blocking right tackle than a, than a, you know, pass protecting left tackle. So I think it's a solid fit. He'll be a starter, but just not loving the value at 11. I'm going to give this pick an A-. Mekhi Becton's 21 years old. He's got plenty of time to grow and to learn. 
They'll protect Sam Darnold best he can. He's also six foot seven, three sixty seven. So not only am I giving him an A minus, he's also my <laughs> Joey Ellis Memorial Powerhouse Frame of the Week. <laughs> Shout out Spartan Red Zone. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm. I'll give it. A, I'll give it at least a B, just because you know, A and you just touched on it. This to, for me, the size is six seven, three sixty seven. I mean, he he. The guy is just a monster. Like, he is an absolute monster. And I, you could argue that, you know, Willis and Wirfs and Thomas are all, you know, they may have higher floors, although if he is able to, if he can, you know, if he can harness that size and if the Jets are able to develop him right, I mean, he could be a huge boom pick, even for, even in that spot. Like, he, I mean, he has the tools to be able to be a monster in the NFL with it, with just his pure, with his pure physical attributes. So I'm going to give it a B just because it is, it is definitely, I think a boomer bust pick, but if they, if the Jets hit on him, if they're able to get him to fulfill it, to, to play up to his potential, he could be a mauler for, you know, a decade in the league. Um, I'm going to give the Jets an A minus because I think with Le'Veon Bell, he could have a, a breakout year this year with Becton leading him through the field, but with a 5.41 run at, the, at his size at the combine, it's definitely something that needs to be noted, but he obviously has great size and he could be a starter, but he definitely needs, there's some concern about his weight. So there could be some problems with that. So uh, moving on from one of the heaviest and slowest players in the draft class to the fastest, uh, Henry Ruggs went at 12 to the Las Vegas Raiders. I still need to get used to saying that. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of rugs here, mainly because of the two guys that were still left on the board. Uh, to me, rugs is more John Ross than Tyreek Hill. Uh, so I think picking him at 12 over Jerry Judy and over CD lamb is a bit of a reach. So I'm giving this one a B minus. Yeah, I'll give it a B. I think if I were, if I were Al Davis, I'd do a lot of things differently. Uh, but I definitely would have taken Jerry Judy over Henry Ruggs. But Al Davis loves his fast wide receivers. I don't know how many times that was said last night. He'll be good. He'll be fast. They'll give somebody, whoever the Raiders quarterback is, unless Derek Carr, you know, disappears, which could happen. Um, yeah, I'll give it a B. Whatever. Who cares? It's the Raiders. I'll give it a B plus. I mean, you know, it's uh, Judy and Lamb are def definitely, I think, could, at least as of right now, have more better overall skill sets. But speed does kill. And, I mean, when you look at Ruggs, you look at how he has potential to top off defense, you know, I think was it a little high, yes, but overall I still think that, the you know, the Raiders are a team that, you know, are probably going to definitely, try, you know, get a lot out of them and, and as Billy. So I'll give it a B plus. We'll probably, yeah, is he quite as, as of right now, is he quite as good as Julian Lamb? Maybe not, but he does have the tools to still be a very, very good deep threat wide receiver, you know, potentially in the mold of a guy like Deshaun Jackson. I'm going to give this pick a C plus because I agree that they should have taken a Judy because he was definitely the best receiver in this class, arguably with CD Lamb following not so far. But I think uh, with Ruggs, he can, he's very fast. He's compared, I would say he's like Tyreek Hill, the Kansas City Chiefs, but he can grab the ball when throwing down down the field, but I think with the quarterback situation in Las Vegas with Marcus Mariota and Derek Carr, you don't know who's going to be throwing there. So I don't know. I think that this was not the best pick for the Raiders. Yeah. Uh, then moving on to the 13th pick, 
Tristan Wirfs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers trade up to get him at 13. I love the fit here. He walks right in. He'll be the starting right tackle for Tom Brady. I think it's a phenomenal fit. I think he's the best tackle prospect in the draft. The Buccaneers have really been winning so far this offseason. I give this an A+. Plus. A+, plus, Buck's going to be really good. It's going to be scary. Yeah, no, A-plus for me. I mean, I, I talked about earlier how I thought this is one of my standout picks. I mean, you know, they've done – it seems like they've done – the Bucks have done everything right in building uh, the perfect kind of team to maximize um, whatever, you know, how many years that Tom Brady has is going to have left. And Wirfs was arguably the best tackle in this class. And, you know, for a guy who's going to be 42 going on 43, you got to make sure that Brady is going to have his clean, a clean pocket as much as possible. And he, you know, he's arguably the guy that's going to help them best do that from this draft. So, yeah, solid A-plus a pick for me. Same with me, A plus. I think the Bucks wanted their guy. They traded up for him. They only had to give up the 117th pick and receive the 245th pick. But I think it's a great pick, the A plus. I don't have to say anything more. And then the team they traded down with, the San Francisco 49ers, they picked their replacement for DeForest Buckner here in Javon Kinlaw. I think he might be the best pure defensive tackle prospect in terms of both uh, rushing the passer and stopping the run. I give this pick a solid A grade. The the fit might not be perfect with a crowded defensive line room, but I still love the fit in terms of his potential for uh, the future going forward with San Francisco. So I give it an eight. Yeah, I'm giving it an eight too. If you had told me, you know, at, after their loss in the Super Bowl, that the 49ers defense is going to be even scarier next year, I would have thought you're crazy. But guess what? They're going to be, and that's terrifying. The 49ers are just going to be playing bully ball for another season. I'll give it – I'm going to actually say a little bit of a B-plus just because not that I don't think Kinlaw is not going to be good. He, he obviously, especially in a defense like San Francisco, he's going to be in a big position to succeed only because of the fact that, you know, he is going to be primarily replacing DeForest Buckner. And when you looked at the level of play that, especially last season that Buckner reached, you know, is it's just, you know, it's going to be a question of whether Kinlaw can potentially live up to that. So if that's going to be who he's directly compared to, you know, he may still be really good. But Buckner, you know, showed last year that got, he's one of the best interior D linemen in the, very much in the league. So I'll give it a B plus, a solid player. He fills the knee. Just, it's going to be, for me, it's just going to be a question of whether he lives up to that building in terms of being able to fill that spot that they that they opened up by training Buckner. Yeah, I'm going to go a little lower on, I'm going to give him a B, but I think with the, with replacing DeForest Buckner, they're going to give a lot of, Dad, what are you doing? Sorry, I am so sorry. Um, I'm going to give him a B, and I think replacing DeForest Buckner was definitely a big need for the 49ers. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then moving on to 15, my biggest steal of the draft so far is Jerry Judy falling to 15 in the Denver Broncos. They should be ecstatic. They got the best wide receiver prospect, in my uh, opinion. So I, I'm giving this a solid A+. Plus. Yeah, this is an A+. Plus. I think Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton is going to be a terrifying receiver tandem. So you better watch out if you're the AFC West. Yeah, no, I think Judy definitely a pick. Uh, I, it's tough. I mean, it might be tied with him between him and, and CeeDee Lamb for me in terms of who I thought was the best wide receiver. But the the Broncos pairing him, being able to get a guy like him, pair of course, 
sudden and to alliance alliance for Drew Locke just gives them a lot more better odds to make with him being there. Hey, I'll give it an A. I'm gonna give this one an A plus also. I think as I talked about before, I think the Broncos definitely got the seal of the draft, but definitely pairing Aiden and pairing Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy's a great pick and having Drew Locke throwing it to them could be very successful. Uh, moving on to 16 here, Atlanta picked uh, A.J. Terrell from Clemson, the corner. Like I said earlier, I'm not in love with the with the value here. I think he's an all right player. Uh, I just had more of a second, mid-second round grade on him, so I, I give it a C- minus here. I think it's a bit of a reach, one of the more uh, drastic reaches so far in the first round. I agree in that it was a reach, but I still think the fit's good. I think that A.J. Terrell's going to do very well for that in a secondary, so I'm going to give it a B plus. I'll give it a B minus. I think that it, yeah, it was a reach. And I think that possibly Atlanta got maybe a little just, you know, because they knew they needed a cornerback with, you know, obviously, you know, Desmond Trufant got signed away by the Lions and they don't, they didn't have really any other standout corners on the roster. So I think maybe they got a little bit worried that they were, if they didn't draft the corner there, that they were going to miss out on getting anybody. So yeah, I think it was probably a, you could argue it was a necessary reach, but you know, Terrell definitely doesn't have the upside of any, you know, of, certainly not of a Henderson or a Kuda, so it might, you know, could be, might not be great value of that, so I'll give it a B minus. I'm going to give the Falcons a B. I'm not really overly impressed with this pick, but obviously it was a team need, but I think when I watched him actually in college, he was a little too grabby when, and he caused a lot of flags and penalties, so I think that could be a problem in the future in the NFL. But I don't know. I'm not overly impressed with the pick. I just think it's like an okay pick. It's not like amazing. Yeah. Uh, then moving on to 17, another one of the steals of the draft. CeeDee Lamb falls to the Dallas Cowboys. I was shocked he fell this far, but I'm not necessarily in love with the fit with Dallas. I think they really needed a defensive back. Four of their five starting defensive backs next year are going to be out of there. Their contracts expire. So I think they really needed to get a guy who could really solidify that position. That said, Lamb's too good of a, a talent to pass up. I give it an A. Yeah, I'll give it an A minus. You can't pass up on Lamb right there. And pairing him with Amari Cooper is going to be hopefully a dream for, for Dak Prescott. But the, the NFC East is arguably the worst division in all of sports, maybe. You can win that, you can win that division going eight and eight, four out of five years. Yeah, no, that's no, that's definitely true. Um, yeah, I'll give it a minus because you know, Lamp he for a spot like that, even though Dallas does have Amari Cooper and Michael Gavis, the best two wide receivers, he does fill. I guess he can fill the slot role at least initially. That was left when Randall Cobb got signed away by the Houston Texans. But he is too. It, I mean, that's a, that's a, one of the biggest steals of the draft. It was too big to pass up, and you can argue that they could have won with a safety or an edge rusher, which arguably they could have needed more. Although you know, for pure talent, Lamb is definitely – Lamb at 17 is, you know, yeah, like I said, too – really too too hard to pass up for anybody. I'm going to give this pick an A also. But I think there were no safeties taken in the first round, which is really surprising to me. And they – obviously the Cowboys needed help in the back. In the back. So, I think CD – you can't pass up on a talent like Lamb. So, definitely an A. Yeah. Uh, then moving on to the 18th pick here, Miami's second pick in the draft. Uh, Austin Jackson, the offensive tackle from USC. I think it's it, they drafted for need. I just don't love the prospect that much. I think he was a little bit overdrafted here. I had an early second-round grade on him. 
I would have liked to see them go with maybe an interior offensive lineman like Cesar Ruiz because their entire offensive line was terrible last year. They needed help everywhere. So just drafting the best offensive lineman available would have been my personal selection. So therefore I give this pick a C, a solid grade should be a starter, but not the best, not the best value. For all the same reasons as Alex, I'm going to give him a B. <laughs> yeah, I'll give it you – know, I'll give it a B minus just because it does look like he's going to – you know, he's not as as ready. It doesn't look like he's going to be quite as a plug-in and play-in guy as Thomas or Wirfs or Willis were. So it might take him some time to develop. But Miami is a team. In terms of their timeline, they have time to do that. So I think it's – you know, it's a good situation for him to be in. And, you know, if there's any team that could – afford to take some time with him and make sure that he develops right into potentially, you know, into a long-term starter than Miami's that. So I'll give it, I'll give it a B minus. I'm going to give this one a C plus, not as much as a C, but he's only 20 years old, but he did donate bone marrow to his sister, Autumn. It's a whole story. It was a really nice story to watch, but I think that he could, obviously it's protection for Tua in the future, but I don't know. I think there was definitely, obviously a team need, but Alex, I totally agree with everything you said. So C plus. Then at 19, uh, Damon Arnett goes to the uh, Raiders. I think this is a drastic reach. I don't like the value here. I think he's probably a third-round prospect with anybody else's draft board here. So just for that reason alone, I'm going to have to give it a D-. minus. Very like Darian Connolly vibes here for the Raiders. Ainley? Oh, well, all right, I guess I'll go. Um, Yeah, I'll give it I, – yeah, I, I think probably – in the realm of a C minus or a D plus or something like that, just because, you know, it's just like, I feel like the Raiders, you know, maybe they could have taken a safety like, you know, Xavier McKinley, or they could have taken a guy that came right after Kavon Chason, who's a, you know, one of the, who was probably some people said the second best edge rusher in the draft after Chase Young. I thought that Arnett is, yeah, it, it just seems like a pick. I mean, you know, as the second or third rounder, Probably go a lot. Probably get a lot more value out of that as a pure first-round pick. That to me is just way overreaching for that. So yeah, probably a. I say a C minus or D plus. Yeah, I'll give it a B. Sorry, I. Yeah. Um, I'm getting a lot like Clean Farrell with the Raiders last year at number four. I'm getting a lot of like that what they were doing last year. So I think. Damon Arnett could have been a second. Darren, I totally agree with you that it could have been a second-round pick or even the third, but I think it's definitely way too high for the Ohio State product. Then at 20, Caleb uh, on chase on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. A replacement for Yannick Ngankwe. Uh, really good fit here. I give it a B plus. Yeah, I'll give it a B plus too. Um, I think, you know, probably the best pass, probably the best – Pass, argue the best pass rusher after Chase in the draft. You know, they traded, they had, you know, they're going to end up trading Nagakwe at some point. They already traded away Calais Campbell. So, you know, you're going to be losing, you know, you're going to lost, you will have lost multiple big pieces on that defensive line. So, yeah, they need to, they need to restock there. And after getting Henderson to fill that corner spot, they got Chase on to fill that edge spot. So, yeah, I think definitely saw a B plus pick for them. Unit A, they needed to get another defensive lineman in there. I think the Jaguars are just kind of in a rebuild mode at the very least, and so this was a decent pick. They're going to, you know, at, at 20, they're just going to take the best player, and I think this was the one that fit their needs the most. I'm going to give this one a B. I, everything you guys have been saying, but I definitely think they needed to update the defense, but 
he's an elite player. He has the ability to be an elite player. And I think I thought I saw him at maybe 15 to 18 range, but I'm surprised at the Jaguars. He fell this kind of low. Go ahead, Aiden. <clears throat> Sorry, I had to leave the, the Zoom call because after I got Governor Whitmer's text message, it like cut off all my audio, so I couldn't hear oh, anybody. Oh, nice, nice. Okay. So I had no idea what was going on. That's why I didn't respond because I couldn't hear anything. No, we're all no. good. Today, we're going to but... edit this audio too. Yeah, yeah. Did everybody else get it or no? Yeah, I got it. it um, the order is extended until May 15th. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's like, that's expected. Uh, now on to 21 here, the Philadelphia Eagles picking Jalen Rager. I hate this fit. I don't think Jalen Rager is a first-round draft pick. I think he's a late second-round, early third-round guy, kind of like Damon Arnett here, except just with how much talent is still left on the board, with especially with Justin Jefferson, like I said earlier. This is an F pick for me. Yeah, I'm going to give it a D-plus just because of the names who are on the board, and even the names that are on the board right now like LaVisca Chenault and Denzel Mims, you could have taken them over Jalen Rager. I think it'll be fine, but definitely not worth the uh, the 21st pick, especially with Justin Jefferson going right after him. Yeah, I'll give it a D, mainly because, you know, like Alex, like you and AM said, because of the talent of the board, Justin Jefferson, even even the guy that Chance San Francisco trade up for, as we'll get to later, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, you know, there were multiple players where it could have, you know, there could have had more upside that spot. I mean, the position definitely fits for Philadelphia because, you know, they need wider, they need receivers more than anything right now. But, yeah, I definitely think they could have picked more talents with, you know, just better overall profile. So, yeah. I'm going to give this one also a D plus with the Eagles are kind of a mess right now. I think their pretty terrible with only Greg Ward having 21 receptions to Justin Jefferson there. I think they're going to see in the coming years they made a big mistake. Jefferson, like you touched on, going to the Kirk Cousins. He works a lot out of the slot, which is the same position as uh, uh, Adam Thielen, but I still think he's going to be a great fit there in Minnesota, so I give this an A+, plus, uh, not an A+, plus, an A. I hear an A as well. They really needed to replace Stefan Diggs, and I think they did it with the best possible player, Justin Jefferson. So good for the Vikings. They got a stud. Yeah, the, uh, uh, yeah, easy A for me. I thought this was the perfect kind of pick that they needed. I mean, especially after trading Diggs, gives them another guy to have across and feel to keep give you know keep Kirk Cousins amount you know supply of weapons at a pretty you know a pretty high amount. So. You know, I thought, you know, I thought it was a big reason why I had them as one of my winners in the draft. So, yeah, easy A for the Vikings there. Definitely one of the easiest A's of the draft. I think the Vikings were not – were surprised that he fell past the Eagles. But he was actually a zero-star recruit out of high school, which was really surprising to me. But with the Diggs pick that they got in the trade, I think this is a great fit. And Justin Jefferson will do very well in the NFL. Yeah, and then on to uh, 23, the Chargers traded up with the – New England Patriots to the 23rd pick and they picked Kenneth Murray, the linebacker out of Oklahoma. I love this fit. I love this player. This is the best linebacker prospect I've seen in a couple of years out of the draft. And I think he's going to be a surefire impact guy right away. This is an A plus pick for me. I love this pick. Kenneth Murray is going to look clean in the best uniforms in all the NFL, the Chargers. So yeah, I'm giving this an A plus. Great prospects. Dude's going to be great. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, Murray, I mean, he's a ta- he was a tackling machine when he was at Oklahoma, and you know, the Chargers, along with all, obviously a quarterback, you know, they they were led in terms of finding a middle backer who could potentially lead their defense. So, you know, fills a need for them, and he's got a lot of upside, especially with especially for falling late into the first round. So, yeah, I'll give that definite pick. I'll give this pick an A. Gus Bradley, the defensive coordinator for the Chargers needed a linebacker who can actually stand on the defense and provide for them. So I think it's a great move trading up with the Pats. And even though they had to give up their second and third round picks, I think it's great value at the pick. Yeah. Uh, and then on to 24, the New Orleans Saints pick Cesar Ruiz, the center out of Michigan. We touched on him earlier. I think he's a perfect value here. I think he's a great fit. He's going to be a day one starter for the Saints. Uh, he's a guy who can stick around for eight, 10 years in the NFL and produce at a very high level while doing it. So this is an A pick for me. A pick. It would be an A-plus if the Saints had probably taken a, an heir to Drew Brees, but this was a great pick. I can't complain. Cesar Ruiz, I think, is probably he, – he was definitely the best offensive lineman still left on the board. Um, and as much as it pains me to, to compliment a Wolverine, I mean, this guy is going to do some great things. So. No, definitely a pick for me, too. I mean, he's – I mean, Ruiz is a guy, whether it's – or even or even that guard, which, you know, could be – you know, they could definitely move him around while he's in New Orleans. But he's a guy that looks like you can just plug him in and forget – you know, forget about him for, you know, for, you know, a decade or more potentially. So, you know, he's going to be able to – you know, it'll be good for Drew Brees, obviously, you know, as he – you know, as he's still – as he uh, gets closer to retirement and gives them – you know, keeps the offensive line for them up for them. So, yeah, definitely a pick for me. I'm going to give this one an A+. Plus. I think it's a great pick. And they, he actually anchored the Michigan O-line. So I think protecting Drew Brees, I think he'll be a day one starter and he'll be in the NFL for a long time. Moving on to 25, the San Francisco 49ers traded up with the Minnesota Vikings to select uh, Brendan Ayuk from Arizona State here. I am not the biggest fan of the value. I think you probably could have gotten him in the second round or even at 30 if you really wanted to pick him. I think he's a, a solid talent. I think he's a guy who's going to walk right in and produce at a relatively high level immediately. But to me, he's kind of like the same player as Debo Samuel, so they might have a little bit of an identity crisis there. So I give this plus, this pick a C+. Plus. I'm going to give it a B, I think. My my guess is that the reason the 49ers traded up to 25 is because they probably assumed the Packers were going to take him to 26 if he was still there. And if they wanted to get their guy, they probably felt like they had to trade up there. Little did they know that the Packers were not going to go that way. I think he's going to be fine. Like you said, he's similar to Debo Samuel. The, the, the 49ers are in a win-now attitude. They want vengeance for losing in the Super Bowl last year. This pick's fine. It's all right. It's a B. Won't complain about a B. <laughs> I'll probably say B too. I might have actually given the Kinlaw grade from earlier a little bit of a worse grade just because I felt like wide receiver for the Niners was one of, if not their primary need, because I mean after letting Emmanuel Sanders go on free agency, Debo Samuel was like the only really hot was like the only really good guy they had there at that position, at least for me. So um it, yeah, AU I think to me, I think it's B. I think it you know, feels Again, like it fills their most obvious need. Doesn't have the upside of some of the other wide receiver prospects that were taken that were taken before him. But I think for a team, you know, for San Francisco, um, he'll he'll probably be they'll they'll yeah they'll put him in a good spot to be able to succeed. So I'll give it a B. Um, I'm also going to give it a B. I think they could have gotten him probably in the second round, but I think giving away three picks for 
obviously a first round raid talent, but I don't know if it's, I don't know if you would take him in the first round. I think I don't, obviously the Packers we're going to talk about after, but I think definitely he was a definitely weapon for Arizona state, but I think he could have been in the second round. So B it's an okay pick. And then moving on to 26, the Green Bay Packers traded up from 30 with the Miami Dolphins to select what I thought was one of the biggest surprises of the draft, Jordan Love at uh, 26. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the fit. I think the Packers should be in a win-now mindset, and drafting Love is not that. So um, I think there are better guys on on the board that fit more pressing needs. So I'm going to give this pick actually a D. So – I'm going to give this this grade, I'm going to give it an L. And the L is for me. After two years of investing time and effort and love and reputation into Jordan Love, he gets drafted by my least favorite franchise in all of sports, the Green Bay Packers. Um, yeah, I like don't have words. I threw an ottoman when it happened last night. Yeah, that's all you got to know. Um, I'm, I'm like, you ever seen the, the video of Stephen A where he says, I'm a bit sad. I'm, li- I'm, I'm lying. I'm, I'm devastated. That was me. That still is me now. This is the worst. I hate this. A, a world in which Jordan Love is going to be Aaron Rodgers' heir is not a world I want to live in. But also, I find some solace in the fact that Aaron Rodgers is insanely pissed off about this. Oh yeah, no, I, I am I am so looking forward to what whatever whenever the press conference is just as I as many passive aggressive um, comments as he is likely going to be making about this. But no, I I'm giving this you know an F flat out. To me, it's just it makes no sense when Aaron has come out publicly and said that he wants to play till I mean it may not be realistic, but he says he wants to try and play till he's 45. So if he's not going to give it up then you're either in a position where at some point, even if, you know, whether love, and that's if love develops as you want him to, whether you're going to have to trade, you know, one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game or release him, or you're going to have to, or if he keeps playing well, you might have to, you might end up having to give love up just because, well, we can't, we don't want to move on because like, you know, who knows how it's going to pay out. So I mean, it's just enough. I just, I don't understand why the Packers, not only why they picked him, why they traded back up to pick him when he probably could easily be had in the second round, but at the very least, but yeah, for me, just, I, I just have when you're, when you're one game away from the, from the Super Bowl just last season, I have just no idea why you decided to go developmental when you could easily got, you know, a, a you know, an impact player on defense or maybe a wide receiver. So yeah, flat out for me. I'm going to give this one a D minus. I understand the Packers are trying to prepare for the future after Aaron Rodgers, but this is not the way to do it at all, especially with now a ticking time bomb on Aaron Rodgers and how he feels about this, especially the Packers need weapons for Aaron Rodgers. That's what they need. Like this is not the time to go drafting for a first round quarterback with Jordan Love. I understand he's, he's got one FBS offer from Utah state, but I don't know. I think Aaron Rodgers definitely deserves more time and he, they should have gone with a, weapon here maybe on the deep on the offensive side maybe a running back yeah Uh, moving on to 27 the Seattle Seahawks do what the Seattle Seahawks do and pick a guy that nobody really saw coming in the first round in Jordan Brooks the linebacker from Texas Tech I actually think this fit works pretty well but 
like I said, I don't think the value is really there. I think he fills a need. He fills an opportunity for the Seattle Seahawks. I'm going to give this one a B minus. I'll give it a B because I guarantee Pete Carroll will turn this guy into a pro bowler within the next six years. So, because that's just what he does. So, yeah. I'll give it probably a B just because um, he does feel, I, I did say he, does, he could feel a role, especially since KJ right there, their other, their top, one of their top linebackers other than Bobby Wagner does only have one year left on his contract. So that could be what they're going to groom him for. I'm just going to give it a little bit lower grade just because Patrick Queen was still on the board and he was considered to be the consensus best third linebacker in the draft and where he could have taken him. So, you know, he might not have quite as big as an upside as Queen does. As Queen, as Queen does. So I'll give it, you know, I'll give it about B minus. I'll give this one a B. I think Jordan Brooks is actually seventh in history in Texas Tech history in uh, tackles 367. But I think this is obviously an under the radar player that no one really knew about. But the Seahawks probably could have gotten him in the second round because what I was reading online is that most people did not have him as a first round first or second round grade. So I think there's a durability concern. And he also had a shoulder injury in the second in his senior year. So I think it's an okay pick. We'll see what happens in his, with his NFL career, but a B. Yeah. Now on to 28, the Baltimore Ravens picked up Patrick Queen from LSU, the linebacker. I am not as sold on Patrick Queen as a lot of other people. I think he's a solid player, but I don't think he's the Ray Lewis replacement that everyone's touting him as. I'm going to give this one a B. The jury's still out on Patrick Queen for me. I agree with you there, Alex. I don't really think there was anybody that you'd can, like, there was no pick the Ravens could make here that you would have been like, that's a terrible pick. Unless they were like, oh, we're going to draft, you know, Jalen Hurts. That'd be the only pick that everybody would be like, what are they doing? So Patrick Queen's a fine, fine addition to this defense. The Ravens are going to contend. They're going to probably win the AFC North next year. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'll say a B, too. I think, the yeah, the Ravens probably, their team's in the – you know, at a point where they couldn't have done much wrong other than, you know, like Ames said, taking Jalen Hurts or something like that. But, you know, Queen should be, you know, I mean, he may not, you know, be necessarily a Ray Lewis replacement, but, you know, he could still, you know, he could still end up being a solid player. Um, and for them to be able to, you know, to get a linebacker that, that can go sideline to sideline, you know, it'll help out their defense more. So, yeah, I'll give it a B grade for that. I'm also going to give it a B. I think it's an undersized linebacker who he, in Queen that can actually match Campbell in Calais Campbell, but he is noted as like, he's noted as being like very fast and like he flies around the field, sideline to sideline, but we'll have to see how he performs in the tough division, but we'll see. I don't know. I'm kind of hesitant about him because we don't really know if he, like he was supposed to go projected a little higher, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. Then on the 29, the Tennessee Titans select Isaiah Wilson, the offensive tackle out of uh, Georgia. Now, I think this is a solid fit for Isaiah Wilson as he was on a very run-heavy scheme at Georgia and he's going right into that in the NFL. Anywhere else, this is probably a C-plus pick for me because I think he's pretty raw in the pass protection game. But right here with Tennessee, I think it's a perfect fit. It's a B-plus for me. Yeah, I'm going to give this an A-minus. He's going to do a good job protecting Derrick Henry. And the Tennessee Titans, for some reason, decided to pay Ryan Tannehill this offseason. Um, and so they had to give him some insurance on that line. So I think it's an A minus. Isaiah Wilson will be fine. Like I said before, Georgia linemen are always going to work out. Yeah, I'll give it. I'll agree with Alex. I'll give it a B plus. I mean, he's he's got the size. I mean, he yeah. In terms of the fit, 
he's got, you know, he from going from a run-heavy offense in Georgia to, you know, to a run-heavy team, what's probably going to be a run-heavy team in Tennessee with still having with franchising Derrick Henry. He's got, I mean, he's he's as tall as Beckton is. He's six seven, three fifty. So he's got he's got the size to be a to be, you know, like I would said earlier with Beckton to be a big time run ball in the league. And you know, for any other team, may not be as may not be as good, but for a team like Tennessee, I think that's probably as a perfect of a fit as there could be for him. So yeah, I'll give it a B plus. Um, I'm gonna give this one actually an A minus because they had a hole with Jack Conklin leaving. So. I think with Derrick Henry in the backfield now with Ryan Tannehill, I think Wilson will give them more of a punch to run the ball and be more successful at it. So I'll give it an A-. minus. Moving on to the 30th pick here, the Miami Dolphins who traded back with the Green Bay Packers selected Noah Igbenogany. I know we talked about him a little earlier, an elite defense, uh, an elite athlete, a guy who I think slots into their nickel corn uh, slot. I think the value's not great here. I'm going to go with a B-. minus. I think the value is great here. I'm going to go A minus. I think Noah Igbenogany is going to be one of the players in this first round that you'll still see playing in maybe a decade. So I love the pick here. I will. I'll, I'll, I'll split a little bit between the two. Yeah, I'll go. Kind of. I'll go. I'll go at least a B because I think the value could argue is not great. Obviously, they do. They did just sign Byron Jones to. I believe is the. Big to what was the biggest contract that any corner signed NFL history. They have Xavier Howard, who had also who's also been one of the better corners in the league for the past couple of years. So they certainly didn't necessarily have the need, but you can fill that nickel slot. And obviously, you know, it's never a bad thing to have too many good guys in the back end of your defense. So I'll give it a B because he probably will project to be a pretty good player, although the value maybe could have been could have gotten him a little bit late, could possibly a little bit later in the second in the second round, I believe. I'm going to give this one actually a B plus because now the Dolphins have Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, and now Noah. So I think that's three elite corners. He'll probably play the nickel position, but I think it's great value at the pick. I think the Dolphins needed a need at the cornerback position, but I think he's a hard, he could be a hard worker for the Dolphins and actually do very well in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the 31st pick here, the Minnesota Vikings who had traded back. Uh, they selected Jeff Gladney, the corner from TCU. I'm not sold with the fit and the value here. The Miami, I mean, Minnesota, sorry, doesn't necessarily play these cornerbacks right away, their first-round corners. I don't know if Jeff Gladney plays right away either. So I'm going to give this one a C. I think he's a solid prospect, but at 31, I think it's a little bit too high. I'm going to give it a B-. minus. Gladney's physical. He's second-team all Big 12 two years ago, first-team last year. Again, cornerback is probably the, the most, like, give or take position in all football. If you draft a good one, he's going to play a long time. And, if, you know, you're going to get your worth out of them in some degree, either by trading them away or just by playing them for a long time. This pick's fine. D minus for Gladney. I'll actually give it a B because I think, obviously, the need for Minnesota with losing all of their top corners from just last year, I mean, they, they really need to get at least one decent corner in this draft and um glad you know could maybe have him a little bit later but Mike Zimmer the head coach there is notable for all the work he's done in his career with defensive backs so I think he's going to be in a really good situation and I think if anyone could possibly get the most out of him probably could be, probably would be be Mike Zimmer in Minnesota so I'll give it a B for that I'm also going to give it a B I agree with Darren but I think he's going to be a rookie starter for the Vikings for and Mike Zimmer but he definitely needs a little bit of refinement and 
he needs help transitioning to the NFL, obviously, as all rookies do. But he definitely needs – he's kind of – I compare him a little bit like Denzel Ward. I think that's a great comparison for him because he's very physical and he's very savvy. So I'm going to give it a B. Right. Now moving on to the last pick of the first round here, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire went to the Kansas City Chiefs. Like I said, it's my favorite pick of the draft. I love this fit. This is an A-plus for me. I'm going to give this a B minus. This pick doesn't make a ton of sense to me just because of how many running backs the Chiefs already have on their roster. Damian Williams was snubbed with the Super Bowl MVP just a few months ago. They have Darwin Thompson. They have Mike Weber. These are guys who can play good roles, and I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a great prospect. I just don't think there's a need for him on the Chiefs. So B minus just because of the value of the player, but the fit doesn't really work. I'll give it a solid B just because, like, like a team like Baltimore, Kansas City was in a position where they could have, could have, other than like some, you know, obviously taking a quarterback or something like that, they could have pretty much done anything they wanted, and probably no one would have seen much fault in it. Um, I think Hilaire, his skill set, especially since he, you know, he can obviously he's really good at catching the ball, and he's a good runner as well. He's a multi-purpose back, so he fits. He should fit that offense to a T. Um, I think maybe, I don't know. I mean, you could argue there's better running backs in the draft, you know, with guys like, you know, DeAndre Swift, maybe John Taylor, depending on your taste. But he should be able to fill the role perfectly in Kansas City. And, you know, he'll, I mean, it's not like he needs to do a lot, so he'll probably be able to just have a nice little niche in that offense to himself that will fill him perfectly. So I'll give it a solid B just because running back was really the only place where Kansas City doesn't have – I mean, Damian Williams is good – yeah, Damian Williams is good, but it's not like, you know, he's not necessarily like all world. So they probably could have done a little bit to upgrade that. So I'll give it a B for that. I think this player has definitely been consistent in his three years at LSU, but he had 370 carries in three years, which is really good. And he was a 2019 most versatile player finalist. But I think this is a great fit for him. And the Chiefs definitely need someone to help Mahomes with the running and he can also catch which we mentioned before but I think it's a great pick I, I'm gonna give it a B I think it's a good pick okay uh, now moving forward and looking ahead let's address some guys that fell out of the first round that maybe we didn't see coming um, for me I'll start it off here uh, three guys that uh, really surprised me weren't selected in the first round one, T. Higgins from Clemson, uh, considering the other wide receivers that were taken off the board. Uh, that really surprised me. Uh, second was Christian Fulton, the corner from LSU. Another shocker, considering some of the other guys were picked ahead of him. And then uh, finally, Xavier McKinney. Uh, there wasn't really a safety, a pure safety taken in this first round, and I was a little bit surprised by that. So uh, what, what do you guys think? I think Xavier McKinney was probably my number one surprise that nobody took him. I think AJ Epineza, I thought at least was like in a sneaky go, like late first round, somebody looking for a good edge rusher. Um, but he's still on the board too. Grant Delpit, who I've seen go anywhere in like mock drafts from like 15 to like 58. I thought he would sneak into the first round too. Yeah, no safeties really taken in, in the first round, which was definitely shocking. But there are some really good ones on the board for defenses who need them. Yeah, McKinley was there for me. Yeah, there could be definitely a big run on safeties in the second and third round. McKinley was in there for me. I was also surprised with T. Higgins. I thought personally that he was one of the better, certainly one of the more, one of the better, bigger names among receivers in this draft. But he had a, a, a very productive career at Clemson. I thought he probably would 
you know, be in that spot, you know, mid late first round, maybe like a team like the Eagles or something or some, or some team like that could look at him. Um, yeah. Along with yeah, him, along with McKinley, those would probably be my, probably be the top two guys where I was like, Oh, they, where I was like, I was pretty surprised that maybe they didn't, that they weren't, that they weren't drafted anyone in the first round. So I kind of have two, I have uh Yotur gross matos of the defensive end of Penn state. And I have Trevion Diggs of the cornerback of Alabama. I think these two players could have snaked in maybe later in the round, but I'm surprised that Trevion Diggs did not go because he had a 4.55 run at the combine. And a lot of comparisons have said to him that he is like a Richard Sherman type, but I think he was a great playmaker at Alabama. As for Gross Matos, I think he had 17 and a half sacks and 34.5 tackles around there, somewhere around there. And I think he could be a very early second round, but I thought he could have gone maybe in the 28-30 range. So those are two names I would keep an eye on. Uh, so speaking of uh, digs and guys like that, who are some people that you're really looking at on day two and saying, those are the guys that I'd like to see on my team? So I'm calling this segment the My Guys uh, segment of this podcast. Uh, for me, I'll start it off here. Guys, I would love to see on my team, the Detroit Lions, uh, Jonathan Taylor, one, uh, Curtis Weaver, the edge rusher from Boise State, two, Logan Stenberg, guard from Kentucky, three, uh, Tyler Biadaz, the center slash guard combo from Wisconsin, uh, four, and then Amik Robertson, the corner, I think maybe even a free safety uh, prospect from Louisiana Tech. Those are those are my guys that I would really love to see who I think are going to be really surefire starting prospects in this uh, day two. So day two matters a lot to me because the Bears have two second round picks and they don't pick again to the fifth round because the Bears are stupid. Um, I look at all the needs the Bears have. They need a target for, for Mitch, True, Foles, Ski, Nick, whatever. I don't know who the starter is going to be, and anybody who says they do is lying. Um, I would love to see any of the wide receivers still on the board go to the Bears. Likely it's not going to happen. Grant Delpit, I think, would be great to replace Ha Clinton Dix. I'll take any of these players, but knowing the Bears, they're probably just going to like trade the 50th overall pick for like a loaf of bread, or they'll, they'll do something stupid, and I'm just going to be really sad about it. But yeah, I'd say, you know, if somehow LaVisca Chenault were to fall, maybe Grant Delpit were to fall. Um, I'm, I'm not picky. I'm going to take whatever I can get. Well, don't count, on the, don't count the Lions still doing something stupid potentially today either. But, um, Alex, I was going to say um, the, the top guy you mentioned, Jonathan Taylor, yeah, for the Lions, uh, that, I mean, I would love, you know, as a compliment to uh, – as a compliment to their to their uh, to the running back room, I definitely think he would be great. Him or DeAndre Swift, I think, could fill that role perfectly. Um, other than that, I mean, I like Zach Bond, the, the linebacker from Wisconsin, twelve and a half sacks last year. The guy looks like a really solid player. Um, could definitely, you know, definitely one of the better one of the better pass rushers left among the draft. I think addressing the pass rush for, I mean, if I'm just talking specifically about the Lions, is probably one, a need that they need absolutely because they have gotten, for the last two years, they have been awful at being able to generate any pressure whatsoever on, on QBs and, you know, or stop the run, frankly. So they definitely need to beef up, beef up on their D-line. 
Um, other other guys than that, uh, trying to think about it here. Um, those would probably be probably some of my some of my top guys. T. Higgins would be up there too for a team that needs wide receivers. I think he's real. I think he's really good coming out of coming out of Clemson. Um, and probably, I mean, obviously we just talked about him in terms of guys who fell, but Xavier McKinley, I mean, he looks like he's good. I mean, guys from the guys that play defense on Alabama usually end up doing pretty good um, when they when they come into the league. And as a safety, I mean, their last big time safety I think they had was Micah Fitzpatrick. He obviously had just a really good a Pro Bowl year last year, so you know he definitely has promised to potentially have a, maybe not quite be that, but uh, definitely could definitely looks like a playmaking safety for the future. Okay, so for the Jets, which is my team, I want two players. That's all I ask. Wide receiver for Michael Pittman Jr. out of USC and Cole Commit tight end from Notre Dame. Both of these players are great. I, I knew they weren't going to go in the first round, so I was like, okay, maybe the Jets can get them. But, you know, new GM Joe Douglas, I have no idea what he's thinking. Maybe beefing up the defense with maybe Jamal Adams in the trade. I have no idea what's going on with Jamal Adams. I don't even know if he's going to get a contract extension. But – Cole Commit, definitely a lot of people have talked about him throughout the combine. And then Michael Pittman is just, if you throw a ball near him, he's probably going to catch it. He played in the Pac-12, obviously not the strongest conference in football, but I think these two players would definitely help the Jets for the long term. Alex, I know you are a P.J. Fleck and Minnesota Gophers believer. Um, do you think – I, I just want your opinion. Do you think your boy Tyler Johnson could fall in the fifth round? I think it's possible. I think he's probably more of a fourth-round prospect than a fifth-round guy. Um, if you're looking for a fifth-round wide receiver, though, I got a name for you. His name's James Prochet, SMU wide receiver. Guy's phenomenal. Think Steve Smith, but he runs like a four six five forty. So um, moving on here to the next segment I got. Uh, we just talked about my guys. The, now we got to talk about the not my guys, right? The people who you don't necessarily want to, to see uh, their name called when it comes to your team specifically. I'll start it off here. Uh, mine's the, uh, what I have coined the Alabama three. So Raekwon Davis, Terrell Lewis, Trayvon Diggs. I don't really think those guys would fit too well with the Lions system. Their production and athleticism have kind of muddled the, uh, their, their waters for me a little bit. So I'm not the biggest fan of them as prospects. Uh, then uh, Marlon Davidson, the defensive tackle slash edge rusher from uh, Auburn. Again, not the biggest fan. I would rather have their, some other edge guys there instead of uh, Marlon Davidson. And then uh, the last are two skill position guys. Cam Akers from Florida State. I think he's more of a workout warrior, not much production in college. There are better running backs on the board. And then finally, Donovan Peoples-Jones is the definition of a workout warrior. I think that he is a phenomenal athlete, but he has lacking wide receiver skills, and I don't want to see him called, especially on day two for the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I'm going to second the down from Peoples-Jones uh, claim is not a guy you, you'd probably want to see your team take on, on day two. I think I would, I, I think the Bears need another target. KJ Hamler is not that though. KJ Hamler is a guy who you need to hand him the ball basically in order for him to make a play, not going to fit well in the Bears system. I think anybody at D on the D line, if the Bears take a defensive lineman or even a linebacker for that, for that matter, I'm going to lose it. This defense is good enough. Let's work on, on the offense. Let's get some, some offensive linemen, not defensive linemen. 
I would probably second on Donovan Peoples-Jones. He's probably had, yeah, he's probably a little bit more of a, you know, like you said, Alex, a, more of a workout warrior type. I'm also going to say not not because, not necessarily because I'm biased, but just because I don't think for the lines, at least, I don't think the profile would be good. Josh Uche out of Michigan. I mean, he he at the very least definitely has a career ahead of him as a, as a situational pass rusher, but I think, you know, he's just, he, he's not very big. He's only about 6'1". 245 is what is, is listed on his draft profile. So, I mean, he's not a very big defensive end. As a pass rusher, he did well at Michigan, but as an all-around D lineman uh, edge prospect, I think that he pro- he's not, at least for me, he's not up there in terms of the, in terms of the all-around skill set that I think I would want for a, second, for a, for a high second-round pick like the Lions have. So I probably prefer them to go in someone a little bit in a, you know, a different direction rather than a guy like Uche, who not necessarily a bad player, but a guy who I probably don't think would be that great of a fit. For the Jets, I just don't want them to take a running back. I don't want J.K. Dommins, or I do not want to see Jonathan Taylor on the Jets. I just don't think, like, we've had, like, below, the Jets have had, like, Bilal Powell in the past or even other running backs. I think you got – the Jets need to go full on with Le'Veon Bell and not with anyone else. I think – the running backs are – they're great, but I just don't think it's the right fit for the Jets. Yeah. Uh, now, moving on here to our last and final segment, there are some perfect fits that I've identified for myself, at least, that maybe you guys have some more of your own. Uh, I, I've got uh, some picks here. Just guys that make too much sense at that particular spot for these guys to go. Um, I'll, I'll start. At 37, I've got Zach Bond going to the New England Patriots. I think that pick makes a lot of sense. They lost Kyle Van Oy, who would play that same kind of role. Then at 39, I've got Jonathan Taylor going to Miami. Just complete the offense. Great fit there. Uh, 44, I got Jalen Hurts going to the Indianapolis Colts. Again, think it makes too much sense. He's a guy who might be able to sit behind Jacoby Brissett for a year or two. Uh, J.K. Dobbins at 45 uh, with Tampa Bay, I think makes a lot of sense. Warranting, uh, you know, DeAndre Swift or Jonathan Taylor not falling to them. I think J.K. Dobbins is probably the third best. Uh, and then, Aiden, for you, at 50, I think the Chicago Bears should pick Cole Komet. They just got rid of uh, Trey Burton. I think Cole Komet can be a solid blocker and a red zone target for Mitch Trubisky. He's so big, it'd be hard to miss him. Uh, and then at 54, like Darren said, Josh Uche, I think he fits more – with uh, Buffalo's defense, I think that would be a perfect fit. Um, and then at 82, which is in the third round, I've got Tyler Biadaz going to the Dallas Cowboys. They just lost their center in Travis Frederick. They need a new one. Biadaz is a solid uh, center prospect. I think that makes a lot of sense. Do you guys have uh, any, any, any fits like that that just make sense? The, the issue I have with your Cole Comenso Bears, that would that'd be a good – a good fit problem is they just signed Jimmy Graham and there are eight other tight ends on the roster. If they draft another one, that would probably waste a pick, especially in the second round. Maybe if, if one drops the fifth round, that probably still wouldn't be good. Like they have so many tight ends and Jimmy Graham, I don't think is a very good player. He's going to be, you know, below average for Mitch Trubisky. He's definitely out of his prime. I just don't think that'll fit very well. I think the, the right now, just looking at the draft board, I think that if the Bengals were to draft T Higgins, and just to give Joe Burrow immediately another target. You know, A.J. Green just had the franchise tag placed on him about a month ago. But, I mean, if, if you can have T. Higgins to learn under A.J. Green, who's probably one of the most undervalued wide receivers in the NFL, and to give Joe Burrow that guy that he can really just target for the next decade or so, 
that'd be a good combination, I think. And it's a, it's a position that the Bengals do need. And if he's there on the board still, you might as well take him. I, I, that's definitely a fair assessment. The Bengals definitely need some help at that wide receiver spot because A.J. Green, I think, is as good as gone next offseason. Uh, for me, I'd probably say I could see, as a fit, I could see um, Matos, the edge player from Penn State, being a fit with either the Colts or the Lions with one of the first two pick, one of those two of those first three picks in the second in the second round. The Lions, especially, you know, like I said earlier, they need they need guys who can they need good edge rushers. I think Matos, with his physical profile overall, six five two sixty plus, I think he fits more in terms of an every down player for them, along with potentially Indianapolis. I'll tell you what, I, I don't want for the Patriots. He, I mean, I, he could go. To, he may fit on a better on a different team, but I think it would be fascinating if, with the thirty seventh pick, they take a guy like Jalen Hurts. I think that would be a fascinating situation to play out and to see exactly how how Bill Belichick could pop could change his offense or change his team around a guy with the skill set of Hurts and to try and maybe have maybe do Buffalo to uh, no. Sorry, not Buffalo, Baltimore 2.0 um, with a guy like him. And obviously it would be for, for a player, you know, for a player to be able to have to go to that in New England, it would be a great, it would be a good stop for him to, at the, to initially learn and have success. Um, okay, sorry. I think that the uh, one of the fits that I saw was Jalen Johnson, the cornerback from Utah. Um, I think the cornerback is really a need for the Raiders, even though, but I think that that's a great pick. And then also for the Jets, I think Michael Pittman is a great target for Sam Darnold. They both went to USC. They're both wanna, they both want to win. And I think it's a match made in heaven. All right. Well, Michael we just have to wait and find out to see if any of those predictions come true, fellas. Because draft two, day two of the draft, sorry, starts in just – under five hours now, so I'm really excited to watch it again. Uh, we'll have to tune back in with you on Sunday. Uh, hopefully, uh, we have some better news for our team specifically going forward. Uh, but until then, I'm Alex McRae here with Aiden Hunt, Charlotte Steinberg, and Darren Alexander. Thank you so much for tuning in.